everyone, and welcome to the Actually Autistic Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Onstad. So, uh, it's been a while since I recorded a podcast, and things have changed quite a bit for all of us in the interim. One of the positive things that has changed is that in the middle of all this, I am no longer recording in my laundry room. I am now recording in my gorgeous little recording studio in my basement that my amazing, talented woodworking husband built. And I'll describe it to you because it's uh, it's worth it. Um, and I will also be putting pictures in the Facebook group. But it's a it's a very small room, and it's got three little windows, a double pane, slightly smoky glass put in with, you know, the most absolute gorgeous cabinetry work that you've ever seen. And then the entire ceiling is fitted with beautiful old pieces of wood, I don't know, from the side of a barn or something. Anyway, they're they're well weathered, and they're kind of interesting shapes. And so those cover the ceiling. And then all around the room, I've strung up red fabric, red satin, red saris, red velvet. I had a lot of fabric when I shut down the Rose City Shakespeare Company. And <laughs> I love deep maroons and magentas. And so I had a lot of it left over. And so that is kind of bunched together all around the room to help uh, absorb sound. And on the floor is a rug that my dear friend Diane gave to me. Gosh, I don't know, 15 years ago, maybe? Anyway, it's nice to have it here. And then in the table, um, or rather in the room, is a beautiful elm table that my husband also made. Um, so pretty. It's hard to describe, but it's it's a live edge. It's just basically a slab out of a giant, what must have been a gorgeous elm tree, and put on some very pretty legs. And then a couple bookshelves and another really pretty cabinet that he made, and my comfy red chair with the red pillow, some twinkle lights, and my Dungeons and Dragons uh, paraphernalia. <laughs> So now you can picture me. Th those of you who maybe knew me in Arcata, California, might remember the Ganesh on the door of my art studio. Well, we brought that door with us when we moved here, and it is now on my little, uh, you know, it's the door to my little recording studio, and I get to see Ganesh from the inside, uh, which is lovely. On the other side is the red Tara that I painted, which I suppose would match the decor more, but, you know, <laughs> I like seeing Ganesh anyway. Um, the dark could really only work that one way. But uh, anyway, I'll, I'll post a picture of Ganesh on, uh, on the Facebook group, and I'll get the Instagram going too if I had one. I don't even remember anymore. Anyway, here I am, and there you are. And if we're both doing the right thing, then we should be either home or doing something that is truly an essential service to keeping human beings alive. And, and I'm not talking about making money. Anyway, 
podcast is going to be a little different right now. <laughs> I no longer have the same goals for the podcast. And a part of that is that I'm just less picky about how it sounds. I have this great recording studio now, so the basic sound quality is pretty good. And so with any luck, I don't have to do as much massaging of the actual files to make them pleasant to listen to. In past broadcasts, I would go through like crazy fanatical about it. And I would go through and I would edit out all these ums and ahs and repetitive statements and awkward pauses and, you know, just anything that at all I felt kind of disturbed the flow for the listener. And I, I can't do it. I'm sorry, I just can't do it. I, I will still do some editing, you know, certainly an awkwardly long pause or, you know, if I sneeze or something like that, or realize that I have just said something that could be misconstrued as being horrifically offensive, then that will get cut. However, all the other stuff, I'm just going to leave it in. Whoever I'm talking to is just another human like you or me, and we all have our distinctive ways of talking, and I'm just not going to worry about that anymore. I found every one of them fascinating, or I wouldn't be bringing them to you. So it's going to sound a little different, but I, I think it'll still be pretty enjoyable. The other Part of this that's changed, obviously, is our circumstances. It is now March 30th of the year 2020. It is 9-11 a.m. And there is a pandemic ravaging the earth. And it's been a long time since certainly we in the United States experienced this level of epidemic. We've been very, very fortunate, and we've worked really hard as a culture to prioritize public health up until the last 40 years. And we coasted for a long time on the previous 50 years of building public health, which happened to because, <laughs> because there was a horrible flu that killed a third of the earth. And after that, human beings went, well, fuck, maybe we ought to make sure that we all stay healthy so we don't all die. And all kinds of great public health institutions and policies were put into place all over the world and especially in the United States and other select countries around the world that, that really stepped forward. I obviously can't list them all because there, there were a lot of them. And now here we are getting a stark reminder in why we keep our neighbors as healthy and well-fed and well-paid and happily sheltered 
and emotionally supported as we can because we are one organism. No one is an island. No amount of money will keep you living the life that you want to live if masses number of people are miserable. (laughs) I don't know why this isn't more obvious. (sighs) So yeah, I'm pissed off. And that's going to come through. And I have no apologies about that. I have all the feelings. I have grief. I have moments of joy and hope and (laughs) a lot of anger. So I'm at the point now, if somebody provokes any kind of negative response in me online, I'm just done. Um, It'll just be blocked. Not that any of you lovely people would would be deliberately trolly or confrontational with me. I'm I'm talking about the other people. They know who they are. <laughs> I just don't have the time or the you know, the desire to play those kinds of games and I just don't give a fuck. Here's the other thing. This podcast is not for kids right now. We're going to be talking about some very scary subject matter in order to find ways to deal with it. And I'm going to be doing it in very blunt, direct language. So just to make sure that people don't have their kids listening in the background unless their kids are, you know, in their teens or an exceptionally precocious preteen that wants to understand what's going on, then I'm going to fucking say a lot of fucking swear words. Okay, so in this episode, I'm going to talk about what's happening right now. I'm going to record another episode about where I've been since I recorded the last podcast, and I will post that later on. But It's not what's on the top of my brain right now. And I really need to talk about this other stuff first. All right. So this is what we know, right? What we all know is that there's a terrifying respiratory virus rampaging through the globe. And it's very contagious. It has a very long contagion period. H1N1, I think it is, had a contagion period of four days, and this one appears to have a contagion period of 37 days. So you can see how the average person would contact a lot more people in 37 days than they would in four days. And so that's why people are saying, stay home. Don't touch anything somebody else has touched. Wear a mask to protect others. And just avoid any type of contact as much as possible. Contact with other people and contact with your own face, which I'll tell you is a freaking tricky one for me. So I am grateful to have 
a mask to wear, just something, you know, a bandana or whatever over my lower face, just to remind me not to touch my face. And it actually kind of, it helps just having something on my face. It actually kind of helps me have less of a need to touch my face somehow. I guess my face needs a lot of touching. What can I say? (sighs) So if you have a face that likes to be touched, then, you know, go ahead and just give it something pretty to wear. Make it as comfortable as you can because you know, if you're going out and wearing it, the more comfortable that it is on your face, the happier that you're going to be. So, you know, a nice fabric one that fits you well, or a veil, or even just like a clear shield that goes in front of your face, like kind of like what welders wear instead of it's clear instead of dark. Anyway, whatever, whatever works for you to create that barrier between you and the rest of the world if you need to go out. And it lets people know that you are taking the coronavirus seriously, and they will back up. And also, you are providing an example for others to feel less self-conscious about going out in public wearing some kind of a mask. I I don't know why. We here in the United States in particular, I I can't speak for other places right now, but in the United States, it's this huge stigma to put on a mask. That that needs to change. And it's going to change. It's changing right now. So yeah, I wear a mask wherever I go. I have a mask from doing, you know, large scale scenic painting for theater and for the inside of the spaces that I inhabit. And it's so that I can do things like use spray paint outside without getting a headache and stuff like that. So it's a specific mask that was fitted specifically for me and it's (laughs) it's got big pink discs on it it's very bright so I like it a lot and I wear that if I need to go out and I also wear kind of big bright clothes like I want people to see me I want people to think it's a good idea to get out of my way you know like a brightly painted poisonous bug or something. I just want to look like something that wants to be avoided. And I want to stress right now that I've been in self-quarantine now for 18 days with my husband and my son. And so far, none of us are having any kind of difficult symptoms. I have allergies this time of year. And so I always kind of have sort of a a very low grade fever. And, you know, my sinuses kind of acting up as you might be able to hear in my voice. And so like, I would not be able to tell. I'm just kind of like this all the time. And so I just kind of have to assume that I could be contagious and not know. And so I am acting accordingly. But so far, the three of us are doing really well and we're really healthy, thank goodness. So I started really taking coronavirus more seriously right after the Iowa primary. When a friend of a friend came over to a primary watching party that I was having and mentioned it. 
And I said, oh, you know, that's something kind of like the flu, right? He said, no, no, it's a lot worse than that, I think. And and then he just kind of dropped the subject. But he also mentioned that he was planning to leave the country and that if I wanted to borrow, if I wanted to have rather the TV that he had brought to the party for us to watch the primary on, very, which was very kind of him, he brought this gorgeous <laughs> new TV and he said he was leaving the country and would I like to have the TV? And I said, yes, I, I would love to have this. Thank you so much. That's wonderful. And so on the, I think it was the 25th, yeah, the 25th of February, and he was leaving. And I went and got the TV and we hung out together that day. He was leaving the next day, leaving the country, and he started talking about it again. And that was when I really realized, oh, shit. Oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit, oh, shit. I mean, I've read a lot of history, and... It's awful. It's awful. I, you know, like I, for me, history is alive. So I read history and I completely empathize with the people in the time period. This is why movies, fiction, a lot of time is overkill for me because it's, it's, it's too much. You know, <laughs> I don't need that much exposition. I can provide my own exposition. So when you read about plagues ravaging through ancient Greece and if you if your two favorite playwrights are Aristophanes and Shakespeare, you you learn some things about pandemics and plagues and how people react to them, the crazy fucking shit people will do. And I'll talk about that in a little bit too. But anyway, yeah, I've read a lot of history. And we're in for some weird shit, people. I'm not going to lie. And it... <laughs> It's, well, it's overwhelming, right? We're all overwhelmed, right? But here's the deal. Like, not only did I read about all of those plagues and what happened to the societies, you know, how human beings changed as a result, but I also read about how we recovered from those time periods. And so we can start right now, literally planting the seeds of our own, our own salvation as a community, as a species, as a culture, we can do this. And we are incredibly strengthened by this technology that allows us to communicate with each other instantly. We're going to use that and 
we're going to use thousands of years of a lifestyle that we only recently threw away in the last hundred years. We can go back to living in a simpler way. It's all right. We can have more time. We can give people space. We can give people homes. We can grow food. Those that can't grow food can be fed by those who can grow food. We don't need millions more t-shirts and sweaters and jackets and crap pumped into the homes that we inhabit. If you have enough, then you have enough. If you have too much, then give it to the people who don't have enough. It's not complicated. And we can do all these things at a local level. We don't need a nonprofit to collect our coats and then redistribute our coats and then get a grant to do all that. You don't need Uber to get the name of one or two of your friends that are driving Uber and just text them (laughs) and pay them. We don't need them. So Rome fell and it didn't just kind of like go boom, you know, there were plagues, there was corruption. They had an overwhelming exploited population in Rome to care for an increasingly narcissistic and insane citizenry class and oligarchs. Same thing in ancient Greece. No, (laughs) plague came, oligarchs came, (laughs) didn't turn out well for Athens. There was a lot of corruption. Corruption kills people. It's not your fault. It's not my fault. It's, It's corruption at the highest level. And it always does this. I don't care what you call it. I don't care what system it is. I don't care if it's capitalism or nationalistic socialism or communism or libertarianism. It's the corruption. Every system sounds good on paper. It's when the people in charge of it lie and take advantage Stop obsessing over labels, people, for fuck's sake. All right, back to the point at hand. So here we are in the middle of a global pandemic, and we can learn from our forebears about what we need to do. And I'll tell you that right now, the absolute best thing you can do other than staying home is to plant potatoes. Plant some frickin' potatoes. If you can, if you have a little patch of dirt, a few old potatoes, 
There's lots of how to grow potato videos online. Just look one of them up. And even if you can only just plant a few in your kitchen in a big pot or like a big grow bag like pot growers use, just plant some potatoes. It's fun. It's a good project for kids. It's ridiculously easy. If you already have potatoes in your kitchen growing, then you may as well put them in a pot. They take up the same room, right? All right. It's my pitch for growing potatoes. You're going to be hearing about that a lot. We got to do freaking something. Okay, so here is what we know. Stay inside if you can. Don't touch your face when you go out. Practice physical distancing from people that you do not already live with anyway. So at least six feet. I like 10, 12 feet. Basically, just don't come anywhere near me, please. Thank you. Other than that, there's really a whole lot that we don't know, except that it's a horrible, painful death. And it's not a horrible, painful death. It's still horrible and painful and terrifying. And young people can get it too. And they can get just as sick as older people do. They are more likely to live through it, but they can still get permanent scarring on their lungs. Do not fuck around with this. Do not go visit your friends. Don't go to church. Don't go to work. Again, you know if you are truly essential or not. So I want to talk about some of the positives, at least for some of us, I think. I'm really luxuriating in the time that I have. I, I believe me, fully realize sacrifices that lots of people are making, the uncomfortable circumstances they find themselves in, and how that, I'm sure not everybody feels this way, but I personally am appreciating having this time. Sometimes I don't appreciate it so much. <laughs> I get a lot of anxiety. It was really weird for a while to have this full to-do list in my head and on paper and in my phone all over the place of all these things that I was in the middle of doing and then to suddenly have to go oh no I'm I'm not doing any of that I'm doing this other thing and so it took a while for my brain to catch up and my and my pieces of paper and my phone it took a while for those things to synchronize where I didn't have two sets of lists running at the same time. And I, I suspect I'm not alone in that. There was definitely an adjustment period that made me feel pretty uh, displaced. <laughs> it's about the kindest word I have to say for it. But I feel like that is mostly resolved now. I'm I'm pretty much living in the present that way. Uh, 
you know, I have moments where I forget, blessedly where I forget, where I'm reading about a special interest or playing a video game where I can forget for a little while. But that's not the same thing as having two competing agendas in your brain going on at the same time. Yikes. But, you know, the terror and grief and free-floating anxiety are not fun. And for those reasons, I, I feel like the, the vast time that I have ahead of me to structure myself, uh, it can be a little daunting, but I'm still... I'm still appreciative of the things that I have been able to move into that time that I now have. I grieve over the things I was going to do, but there are things that I'm going to be able to do now that bring me joy. And so I am trying, you know, to allow myself to feel joy in those moments. I, I am a big one for believing that it's okay to feel feelings. It's not okay to necessarily decide to act on all those feelings. I think any action needs to be really thought over if it's going to make any kind of a big deal. to the point where maybe, you know, I stall on some decisions and things. But you know what, like nine times out of 10, that turned out to be the right choice. So if you don't know what to do, it's okay to kind of be in that state of uncertainty of not knowing, like, a lot of the times, it's just you don't have enough information, right? So um, anyway, so yeah, so this kind of free forwarding, free, <laughs> free form time that we all have. And obviously, one of the things that I was missing doing was this podcast. And there are a number of other things. I have a 12th night, audio 12th night that I'm going to get to edit. And we're going to plant potatoes, of course. (laughs) And I have a dollhouse that I want to finish building, uh, you know, I, I have a ridiculous number of crafting supplies that I'm going to be using. Um, I might start teaching some Dungeons and Dragons classes online in an interactive format. We'll see. As usual, you know, I, I've, uh, I've got a lot on my plate and I, <laughs> I haven't even cooked the meal yet, really. <laughs> Oh boy. All right. So find a project. And I I know, like, you're not necessarily going to get going on it right away. Like I've been planning to do this podcast now for a couple weeks, and I finally sat down to do it. I had recorded a brief one. And then I realized that there was all kinds of noise in the room, like a fan and all this shit. I mean, I'd only recorded like, like three minutes worth. And I went, Oh, I'm, I'm not ready for this. And I I wasn't, I really wasn't ready. So, you know, 
don't stress yourself out about it. Just think about like what would be fun to do and think about it long enough until you just kind of find yourself doing it. Don't beat yourself up about it. Don't pressure yourself. It's okay just to be playing with it in your headspace for a really long time. It's it's a healthy thing to be doing. Don't be beating yourself up about not bringing it out into the physical world yet. It's really okay. I have a novel that I've been writing for, I don't know, six years now. And I finally realized that sitting down to write for me was useless unless I had put the time in to further the story in my head. And until I do that in my head, it's kind of pointless for me to sit down and write. And the story doesn't always show up to be in my head. So (laughs) that's just the kind of writer that I am. Anyways, yeah, I got a bunch of projects to work on. I got more than enough to keep me busy. And being put in these circumstances of lockdown like this, uh, it uh, sharpens your resolve in some ways, I think. It can, anyway. So yeah, find something that can occupy your headspace. Get you out of a situation in your mind. There's just, there's so little any of us can do about this situation right now, other than just try not to get sick and try not to get others sick. And, you know, keep body and soul together. I suspect it's going to last for a while. Even the most conservative, and I do mean conservative in every sense of the word, government estimates expect it to be at least 18 months, if not longer. So we need to change our society right now. We need to change our culture right now. We need to isolate, we need to cook locally, grow locally. Just very simple gardens for anybody that has any any bit of yard and the physical capability to do so. Just plant something. Learn to cook, learn to bake. Just simple things. You don't have to be like some amazing chef. Just learn how to cook what you like to eat. Just learn three or four dishes really well. Find someone in your home or your community who enjoys baking bread. There's always one. Baking bread's a lot of fun. I, I, I love it. I've been uh, too emotionally overwhelmed to do it lately, but fortunately my husband is an amazing cook and baker, and so he's been baking bread for us. Thank you, honey. In fact, I think I hear the bread machine upstairs right now. <laughs> Yay! But anyway, the point is that like, I really don't like cooking all that much, but I am able to enjoy baking.
Uh, it's kind of, if you've ever worked with clay at all, it's got those that same texture. Like It's a really nice stem. It, it It's very pleasant on the hands and really satisfying. Because unlike clay, you know, you get to eat it. <laughs> all right. So, yeah, we got to restructure our routines. We got to find ways to keep our minds busy and our hands occupied. If, you know, if binging on movies is your thing, if, if puzzles are your thing, if coloring is your thing, whatever you enjoy, just fucking do it. Do it as much as you can. Provided, of course, it's something you can do alone and doesn't intrude on other people. <laughs> I guess if you want to play the tuba or something and you live in an apartment building, maybe you have to take your tuba for a walk or something. I don't know. I don't know how it works. I'm sorry, tuba players. I feel for you. I feel for the musicians that need to practice, and I really feel for my performers out there for my actors and my dancers and my gymnasts and my athletes, all of you, all of you, I, I feel for you. I'm sorry. I'm truly, deeply sorry. The plague made Shakespeare so depressed he went and wrote King Lear. Think about that. A play that had always ended happily. He's like, nah, fuck this. Fuck the world. They all die. <laughs> Oh, Shakespeare. <laughs> Thanks, bud. All right. So here we are back at our list. We've got physical distancing, indulging in your special interests, giving yourself space to feel feelings, coming up with new routines so that there's some normalcy in your life, have habits. It's fine if you want to eat the same thing for breakfast every day. If you want to go for a walk every day at exactly two o'clock, rain or shine, pick something that, that you want to do every day. If you want to take a picture out of the window every day at 11.15, pick something. And... <laughs> If you do it for a week and then don't care anymore, then that's okay, too. <laughs> Just, it's okay. It's okay. All right, and now I'm going to talk about something that's actually really kind of hard. So, unfortunately, as we know, the world outside of a very small group of self-aware autistics and some professionals in the autistic community, which we know are unfortunately a very small group of the overall medical community. So with the exception of our lovely little community, out there in the world, people look at autism very differently. They have a lot of preconceived notions of what autism means, which is why when they see somebody like me or like many of you, they will look at you and say, well, but you don't look autistic. And 
we may take this to mean very literally and look in the mirror and go, what does an autistic look like? But that's not what they mean. What they mean is that we don't present as an autistic. They don't perceive us as an autistic, which means that the idea of what autism is in their heads is more important to them, will define for them what autism means than anything that we say or do that contradicts that. Now, we all know, unfortunately, that this is true and that this is true of vast numbers of our society. And the perception of autism in the greater society is that it is an intellectual disability, that it makes us less than, that it makes us inferior in some way. Now, obviously, people with true intellectual disabilities and some, and some are autistic, they are not less than. They are valuable and important. And even the definition of intellectual disability itself for anyone, I think, is erroneous. So let me just put that out there right now. I don't think of intellectual disability in the way that most people think of it. I certainly have an intellectual disability in that I have dyslexia. I do not do well with arithmetic and algebra is even more difficult for me. I can I can do okay with geometry because it's visual enough, but anything else, anything that gets too abstract with numbers and letters and strange combinations and equations and all that stuff, I'm sorry, I, I can't do it. And I'm really impressed by everybody who can. So I do have, in that sense, an intellectual disability. But I also have intellectual abilities. And so you you have to look and go, okay, where, you know, who is this person? Who is this whole person? But I digress. So to recap, even the term intellectual disability, I feel is problematic on many levels. And I don't want to argue with it. I don't want to discuss it. I, I, I think it's fair to say that it, like any set of words or phrases, people interpret them differently and to different effects. The problem is that there are unfortunately a great many people who think that people that they see as being intellectually disabled should be given less priority for medical treatment than people who are uh, theoretically fully functional. This has led to moves both in the UK and the United States for certain medical systems to recommend putting people with learning disabilities, intellectual disabilities, on the bottom of the list for care or be given no care in the event that they contract the coronavirus. Now, to their credit, I guess, uh, both the UK and the state of Washington in the United States are reconsidering those policies that they printed out and sent out to all their doctors and hospitals and care facilities. They're, they're re-looking at that. I hear 
the UHS is doing a 180 on that. Well, good. Good to hear, folks. Thank you ever so much. But nonetheless, that does not change the fact that large portions of people all over the world think of autism as a serious defect. And when they are doing triage and deciding who to save, will consider it a valid enough defect to deny treatment over somebody who they think is whole, who they think is more functional and more worthy and more capable of living a productive life than somebody who is autistic. So with that in mind, please, 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 please do not mention that you are autistic if you need any type of medical care or support from anyone. Just don't mention it. Just don't say it. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's none of their fucking business. And it could have very, very serious consequences. Now, we already know from conversations with people in the podcast that declaring yourself as an autistic can be hazardous when you're trying to seek medical treatment for a purely physical ailment. This is already hard enough for women. Women have a, a hell of a time getting taken seriously for pain. And if you add autistic on top of that, if your medical care provider has that diagnosis on top of that, then they're just going to discount you even more if they were inclined to discount you in the first place. So for that reason, I do not recommend seeking a official diagnosis right now. I, I wouldn't do it. Not only, not only is it a bad idea during a pandemic to be out and about getting diagnosis for anything other than a life-threatening condition, it's just not a good idea. There's too many people uninformed out there. There's too many doctors that graduated 15, 20 years ago before anybody understood neurodiversity, before anybody understood different styles of learning. I, I, I cannot tell you how different the education was for psychologists and psychiatrists 20 years ago. I know because I was taking those classes. We weren't taught any of this stuff. None of those professionals were taught any of this stuff. It's really only in like the last five years where people graduating might have heard something about neurodiversity, might understand autism at all. So just, just don't, just wait. You are who you are. It's okay. If you are left-handed, you know that you're left-handed. If you're heterosexual, you know that you're heterosexual. If you're gay or bi or poly or pan or, or whatever you are, if you are artistic, if you are musical, if you 
love to solve puzzles, then you can be an artist, you can be a musician, you can be a puzzle solver. You don't need to go and have somebody else tell you that you are those things. If you think you are autistic, it's okay to identify as that. All right. So now let's say, what do you do if you do get symptoms? What should you do? Okay. Well, it's a little different. It's a lot different, depending on where you are. But don't don't fuck around. Lie down. Number one, relax, lie down. Elevate your upper body. It's fine to drink hot liquids. It's not going to kill the virus on its way down to your lungs. Hot liquids are yummy. Tea is good. Make sure somebody knows that you're not feeling well. Find somebody, if you live home alone, find somebody in your online community or your local community, best if you can find one of each, that will check in on you regularly to find out how you're doing. If you have a high fever then call a place that could possibly give you medical care. Now, odds are good that they will tell you to stay home, but it's important to reach out and make a note that you contacted the hospital. If you feel worse the next day, call them again. Keep tabs on what's happening with you. Don't let anybody else come near you. Make sure everybody washes their hands. If somebody is taking care of you, make sure that they are taking all precautions. Reach out to your online community and tell them how you're feeling. Tell as many people as you can how you are feeling, what's going on with you. If people tell you that you need to call a doctor right away, listen to them. Now, fortunately, truly, for most of us, the symptoms will not the symptoms will not become so horrible that we need to be on ventilator support but they can still be very scary and very uncomfortable and it's really hard to know obviously <laughs> how your body is going to respond until you make it all the way through it so the absolute number one thing that you need to do is be in contact with as many members of your community as you can. Make sure that somebody is checking up on you in case you get into a situation where you need to the, go to the hospital and you can't, you can't figure out how to do it. Make sure that there's somebody else somewhere, even if they don't live in the same city as you, somebody who can look after you and uh, be buddies be buddies for each other, like make uh, buddy chains where everybody checks in on two or three people a day. Somebody please organize that on Facebook. I can't do it. I can't do it. Please organize that somebody. COVID buddy chains. If you have to go to the hospital, leave 
behind any jewelry. Um, leave behind any clothing that you care about seeing again. You, you will not have those clothes again. So whatever you're wearing into the hospital, don't make it your favorite shirt. Leave that at home to be there for when you get back. If you have pets, arrange for them to be fed and cared for. Pets cannot carry the coronavirus COVID-19. They can not carry it. They do not get the same thing. They do not give it to other animals. They do not give it to human beings. Don't put them in a shelter and make sure that they are cared for if you need to go get medical care. Let as many people <laughs> as you can know that you're in the hospital. I mean, do this safely. Don't broadcast to the world, hey, my house is free, come get my shit. But let some people know that you're in the hospital. Once you get there, kiss up, people. Kiss up. <laughs> I cannot, I cannot emphasize this enough. Say thank you. Say thank you. Say please, if you can. I know many of you will do this anyway. I, I know. Just be over the top with it. It really makes a difference. These poor people, they're working so hard. And I, I know that none of you would be abusive of them. but uh, And I know most of you are in empathy overdrive anyway. Let that empathy show is what I'm getting at. Go ahead. It's okay to be real in that situation in terms of your empathy. And please, please live. Please live, everyone. We need you. We need you to, to help us patch our society back in hopefully better ways than it was before. It was really pretty bad. That's why it's so bad now. It's bad now because it was already bad. <sighs> Plant potatoes, okay? I love you all very much. In the next episode, I'll talk about where I was for the, the last six months or so. Stay well. Stay inside. For those of you on the front lines, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs>